0: On this episode of the Blue Jacketeer podcast, we'll be covering chapter 16 of the Corman Manual. Welcome to the Blue Jacketeer podcast, where we help you prepare for the Navy-wide advancement exam by covering study material created by highly qualified sailors. Learn more about what we have to offer at www.bluejacketeer.com. Welcome back to the bluejacketeer.com podcast for hospital Corman. I'm Taylor Larson and I'll be walking you through this chapter of the Corman Manual. Here at Blue Jacketeer, we aim to bring you the tools you need to be successful on the Navy-wide advancement exam. On this episode, we'll continue with the Hospital Corman Manual, covering Chapter 16. Be sure to pay attention because on the next episode, you'll be quizzed on what you learned today. Without further delay, let's get started. Sit back, relax, and listen up. This is chapter 16 of the Hospital Corman Manual, Operative Dentistry. I know, I know, I said dentistry. We have yet another dental chapter to power through. The entire subject of anatomy and physiology gets a single chapter, and dental gets like 17 chapters. It's ridiculous. But my job is to make sure this whole thing is less painful for you and for the combination of the podcast lesson and quiz to give you a strong foothold in your studies for your next rank. Shameless plug, our www.bluejacketeer.com website will help you turn this foothold into a more effective climb on this mountain of knowledge that you have to scale for your test. Operative Dentistry covers a few specialty areas that deal with prevention and treatment of defects in tooth enamel and dentin. The goal is to bring a patient to a healthy, functional, and high level of aesthetic quality. The specialties that this knowledge plays into are preventive dentistry, endodontics, prostodontics, oral and maxillofacial surgery, periodontics, and orthodontics. Let me give you a quick overview of each of those before we continue. Preventive dentistry helps the patient establish control of a dental disease, or just continue their good oral health. Endodontics deals with the dental pulp and prevents, diagnoses, and treats issues around the root. These are the root canal dentists. Prostodontic dentists replace missing teeth with gold or porcelain, generally dealing with crowns and bridges. Oral and maxillofacial surgery is a specialty that deals with the hard and soft tissues of the head and neck, mainly extractions and reconstitutions. Periodontics specifically deals with the supporting tissues of the mouth. Orthodontists generally deal with braces and retainers because they guide and correct growing and mature dental facial structures. So about a third of this chapter talks about instruments, and I'm really struggling with how to dress this up in a way that's easy to listen to, but it's, it's dental instruments, so quick like a bandaid, I guess. Okay, first you should know that images are available in your Corman manual for most of these, and I'll be listing the page number when I discuss the specific item. So first area we have is hand cutting instruments. These are instruments with sharp cutting edges and are used in cavity preparation. Spoon excavators are mainly used to remove debris from tooth cavities, and the tips and sides are designed for cutting. A picture of this is on page 16 tack two. The next three chisels, hose and hatchets are all on page 16 tack three. Chisels are used to split or cleave tooth enamel. They can smooth cavity walls and can sharpen cavity preparations. Hatchets can have a 45-90 to degree angle from the shank and are used on the wall of the cavity preparation to cleave, enamel, and cut dentin so the cavity will have a sharp outline. So, just a quick note. We've talked about three tools so far that can make the cavity outline sharper. Now, if you'll remember, when we talked about oral diseases and recurrent caries a few episodes ago, one of the reasons that recurrent caries can happen is because of space left between the restoration and the tooth surface. Again, we're getting to the point where what we've learned before comes together with what we're learning now. These tools create a smooth, sharp edge for the restoration to be placed in, so there's significantly less chance of recurrent carries. Just wanted to make sure those dots get connected. Now continuing on, dental hose are used with a pulling motion to smooth and shape the floor and sides of the cavity prep area. Gingival margin trimmers are our last cutting instrument, and are similar to hatches except they have working ends with opposite curvatures and bevels. These are specifically numbered and the even numbers are used on distal surfaces, while the odd numbers are used on mesial surfaces. This one can be seen on page 16 tack 4. Amalgam restoration instruments are the next group, and it starts off with amalgam carriers with a picture on page 16 tack 4. These simply contain the restorative material and have a lever to eject the material into the cavity. They have three barrel sizes mini, large, and jumbo I didn't make that up since this tool can only hold a small amount of material two are used together while the dentist is using one on the patient the corman is refilling the other the next three condensers carvers and burnishers are all on page 16 tech 5 Condensers are sometimes called pluggers, they feature a hammer-like working end and they're just used to pack the amalgam into the cavity. Carvers have a sharp cutting edge to help shape the new amalgam restoration to the original anatomy of a tooth. Burnishers are used to smooth and polish the restoration since they have smooth, rounded working ends. The next instrument group is composite resin instruments. These place cements, resins, temps, which is dental lingo for temporaries just kidding I'm obviously not dental, and insulating and pulp capping materials. These can have small cylinders and angled paddles on the working ends. Three examples are on page 16-6. Cement and insulating base instruments are used for mixing and handling restorative resin. One version of this instrument that's very common is a disposable brush that has a reusable handle that can be seen on page 16 text 6. Unfortunately since this version is reusable, single use disposable brushes are becoming more commonplace and this also helps with good infection control practices which we've also already learned about. Since we're talking about mixing restorative materials, the spatula is a common tool to use to this end. I don't have to tell you much about what a spatula is used for or what it looks like, but if you'd really like to see examples, there's an image on page 16-7. Insulating base instruments are another small subgroup of dental instruments, and they have a small metal ball at the working end, and are sometimes also referred to as calcium hydroxide instruments. These are used to mix, carry, and place insulating bases and an example can be seen on page 16 tax 7 The next group that we'll cover is rubber dam instruments. So, these include a punch, clamps, forceps, and frame. These are used to prepare and maintain thin sheets of latex rubber. So, the rubber dam that we're talking about is used to isolate a designated tooth or several teeth in the mouth before a specific procedure is performed. The first tool in this group is the rubber dam punch. So as you can probably infer, this tool is used to make spaced holes in the rubber dam material. An image of this can be seen on page 16-9. After the necessary number of holes are punched in the rubber dam, it's going to be stretched over the designated tooth or teeth. Now, the dam isn't going to just sit there, so we use clamps to maintain a snug fit around the neck of the tooth. An image of this can be seen on page 16 tech 10. There's also a chart on page 16 tech 10 that shows different clamp sizes and what areas of the mouth that they're used in. Now, when you look at that chart, you'll see that some of them have the letter W in front of them and others don't. This W indicates that the clamps are without wings. That's an easy test question. Now we need to start discussing how the rubber damp clamp is used there's two main points to hit when discussing this. The first is that it's very important that when rubber dam clamps are used, you always tie dental floss on the bow of the clamp before placing it in the patient's mouth to prevent aspiration. The chapter goes into great detail on exactly how to do this, but the important piece for the test is to know that it should always be done. If you're really, really interested, there's a picture and description on page 16-11. The second point is that when you're placing the actual clamp, it should sit near or slightly below the cemento enamel junction. Now we're getting into the idea of four-handed dentistry. I believe they teach this to an extent in core school, but we're going to dive back into it with a focus on where the test typically hits. There are four zones, and they're best understood in relation to a clock. With the patient's head at the center and with the 12 o'clock positioned behind the head. For a right-handed dentist who will be seated to the left of the patient, the operator's zone is between eight and 11 o'clock and the assistant zone is between two and four o'clock. The transfer zone is from four to eight o'clock over the patient's chest. Instruments and materials should be placed in this zone. The static zone is from 11 to 2 o'clock and is a non-traffic area where equipment like nitrous oxide will be placed. Sometimes this is used for instruments that can be objectionable like an anesthetic syringe since it can make the patient nervous. Touching on placement a little bit more, the patient should be positioned in a way that the dentist's eye level is 14 to 16 inches from the treatment site. A handy image for instrument exchange can be found on page 16 tech 20 and 16 tech 21. Since I just mentioned anesthesia syringes, there's a key most common bit of text hidden away in this chapter, and it's that the two most common local anesthetics used in dentistry are 2% lidocaine hydrochloride and 2% mepivacaine. Aspiration is another common technique that the Corman needs to be familiar with. You'll need to do this to remove blood, pus, or saliva from the treatment site, and it's done with a high volume evacuator or saliva ejector. Make sure that there's a sterile or disposable tip for each new patient. So i repeatedly mentioned a substance called amalgam that's used in restorations. It's aesthetically acceptable for distal restorations when the restoration isn't going to be readily visible. It can also be used as a base for a tooth before a full artificial crown. After an amalgam restoration is placed, another appointment will need to be made to finish and polish the new restoration. The new appointment needs to be at least 24 hours after placement. Continuing on with restorations, I promise we're almost done. There are some tooth colored restorative materials called composite resins. There are three types macro microfilled, micro and hybrid the difference between them is the size of the inorganic filler making them versatile for each area of the tooth and giving different polishing qualities since these are tooth colored it's important to pick the right shade before the teeth are allowed to dry since they'll always be a lighter shade after drying think of it as painting our last subject we'll touch on is fluoride application since this is so common There are 3 different methods to apply topical fluoride. The first involves painting a solution with a cotton tip applicator. The second way is a concentrated fluoride rinse. And the third is a fluoride gel using a tray which is really the most effective. The gel doesn't need to be on for any longer than about 4 minutes and the patient should spit out the remaining gel. Be sure to instruct them not to rinse, drink, eat, or smoke for at least 30 minutes after a fluoride treatment. Alright, we are all finished up on this chapter, so this concludes our lesson for chapter 16 of the Hospital Corman Manual. I hope that you are not only able to learn something, but also apply some of the information in this chapter to your daily duties. Remember, at Blue Jacketeer, we bring you the very best in advancement exam preparation. Don't forget to listen to the audio quiz for this lesson, and to get your best studying done with our expert study tools at www.bluejacketeer.com. Also, make sure to look for our next lesson, where we will be covering Chapter 17 of the Hospital Corps Manual. As always, I'm Taylor Larson, reminding you to stay Navy and always keep working for that next rank.